Hello, Hockey World. It's Monday, December 5th, 2016. I'm Michael Agello. I'm Dan Petru. I'm Russ Cohen from Sportsology. And I'm Eklund. You're watching Hockey Buzzcast on HockeyBuzz.com. This is the podcast that comes to you today with more talk about Ryan Spooner than ever before. And <laughs> why not, right? Um, so... So our, you know, it's always good when one of our buddies in, in the media puts out a hockey, puts out a rumor, so we can talk about it, um, something different. And uh, so yeah, so Ryan Spooner apparently been on the trade block for a while now, talking, you know, and a couple teams, the Islanders, one of them, Dan, rumored to be interested in Ryan Spooner. Is he a center? Um, no. He plays no. wing. He's playing when he played against the Flyers a couple nights ago. He was fourth line winger. And this is the funny thing about that because. The, the the asking price for him was was according to report a um, among the things needed needed in the deal would be a second line player. <laughs> no. Except he's not playing the second line. He's not a second line forward himself. The Islanders need someone with a proven resume. If they're yeah. going to trade for somebody, and if they're going to trade, I have no problem trading assets and picks and established players. But I want someone who has – I can look at the book and I can write in 25 goals or 30 goals or 25 or 50 uh, okay, points. Okay, but here's – you know what the problem with that is, Dan? Yeah. They don't have enough on their own roster to trade for that. Yeah, they could trade for a JV. They would have to trade young assets. That's the only thing they have. At this they point. have seven or eight of them. You can trade one of them. Well, one of them won't do it anymore. I think it will probably take one of them and a roster player. For you think Hamannick in a draft pick couldn't get JVR? Uh <laughs> It's possible, it's but possible. Uh, but if you if you take the comments of Mike Babcock this morning, and you know, coaches, general managers have to say these things. If of you course. Look, if you look at the Leaf situation, and you know, guys like Bob McKenzie and Darren Drager have been saying the last couple weeks that it makes sense for the Leafs, not right away, but maybe at the deadline, maybe over the summer, to move JVR since they have so many young wingers and Babcock came out this morning and said, I think there's been a bunch of talk. I just talked to JVR. Um, I, I just said, play hard and don't worry about it. We're not looking to move these guys. One thing I know about in sport, the truth today isn't the truth tomorrow. So you can't spend a lot of time worrying about that. That can be taken both ways right now. They don't want to trade them, but on March the 1st, if they get offered a top defenseman, they're going to move them because the Maple Leafs right now, they've got stockpiles on the wing. Uh, they have a good good young center in Austin Matthews. They have you know Kadri and Bozak up the middle. They have too many wingers, and I don't see them at 29 years old signing James Van Riemsdyk for six million dollars a year. So because they're going to have to spend money on Nylander and on Matthews and on Marner at that point. So I think that they will probably move JVR, but they could move one of the young guys for a defenseman. But right now, you know, they're right now Babcock's mindset is let's try to make the playoffs, but. In mid-January, when they're 500 and they're six or seven points out of a playoff spot, that's when things will change. But here's the other thing, too. Regardless of the salary, Hamannick's play has dropped off. Like, oh, it's been horrific. Like, horrible play. In, it's in been horrific. Yesterday. Yeah. Horrible. It, it, no, it's not been good, but there's still value there. In the, oh, there's value, but I'm just saying. Especially not, his contract, too, you know. Sure. But it's not it's also, we, at the He also came back two weeks. Here, now it's here. I, look, I think he's been terrible. I think he's been the worst player in the roster. But at the same time, he was supposed to be out six weeks with a broken hand and came back at 14 days. Yeah. So is that something that could be still bothering him? I, I don't know. But, you know, he's still a good play. He still definitely has value if he was available. Going back to Spooner for a second, I mean, the, the report over the weekend said that one team that might be interested in him 
was the Vancouver Canucks. Benning being a former assistant GM in Boston, I think he probably had something to do with drafting him or, or at least scouting mm-hmm. to be drafted. Yeah, I, I wrote that today too, and I, I did not hear that report over the weekend, so I thought I was writing something special, Mike. So now you've destroyed my whole sense of being. You'll probably get a second-round draft pick. That's all you'll get. Yeah. I, yeah. I, that's not bad. That's not a bad return for Spooner. No, that's, I mean, if you want to get rid of him, that's, that's you know, that's what you're at. Well, they could trade for Alex Burroughs. We know he would fit in. He'd fit in well with the Boston. Uh, oh. <laughs> oh, there's I mean, not many players. I, I'm I playing just... the role of Milan Lucic, Alex Burroughs. Yeah. No, right. Milan Lucic looks like a choir boy next to Alex Burroughs. <laughs> right. Um, yeah. <laughs> Speaking of choir boys, um, Jonas Enroth has been placed on waivers, and he is. Um, I am so mad. I spent two million dollars on him this year. Now I got nothing. Really, two million dollars in your draft? It, yeah, my fantasy because I had no backup. I had to get somebody. I figured, oh, Enroth, he'll play a little bit. I would have yeah. thought so too. Yeah, that's a, that was a solid move. Yeah, absolutely. You, you would thought you would have thought that he would have got some play. You want a backup on a bad team is always a good move. Yeah. I, 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 you know, I mean. I understand the reasons why Enroth right now he's been he's winless in four games. He's played in four back to backs for the Leafs and he hasn't won a won a game. His save percentage is under nine hundred. Um and based on the comments of Babcock after the game in Calgary on Wednesday, the last Enroth start where he gave up two goals in the first forty nine seconds, you know, he, he basically said, you know, the team wasn't ready, but the goaltender wasn't ready either. But this is scape- to me. This is scapegoating. They're defense. It is scapegoating. All right, but Their who's, who's the backup going to be, Mike? Well, it. Well, I think that this is leading to Kyrie Ramo being. It is leading to Kyrie Ramo. But, but, but the thing is, I mean, we don't know right now. And we'll find this out tomorrow around noon. Whether Enroth's contract is being terminated. If he's got a, if he's got a deal in, in the Swedish league or something else, right. we'll terminate the contract and he'll be free and he can go someplace else. If it's simply him being demoted to the minors, going to the AHL, I think they only have one spot right now under the 50 pro contract limit, and I don't know whether they're going to sign another goaltender. Maybe they bring up Bebo, maybe they bring up Garrett Sparks, but I don't think either one of them are capable of being an NHL backup at this point. And right now the mindset of the Maple Leafs is we need somebody who can give us a better chance to win in these back-to-back yeah. games. That's why I think you're right. I think it's going to end up being Ramo. Yarrow Halak. There you go. <laughs> Oh, yeah, we've got a four and a half million dollar backup. That'll make we'll, we'll eat 20%. What's the most we can eat? We'll eat it. 50%. Uh, I think Ramo is going to be the guy. I mean, he's always. No, he's it does close. sound like Ramo, yeah. Very close to being cleared. And, um, and yeah. he's been practicing with the team for a month and was given a stall at AC. <laughs> These are just <laughs> subtle signs. <laughs> is there anything above an E5? Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> there is. A, it's just, he's been given a stall, been fitted for a uniform. He yeah. has. No, he was. He was given a stall a month ago. Ak. I mean, this is when funny. when he was being real. But when he was rehabilitating his knee, he was given a stall at the Air Canada Center and at the practice facility. What about yeah. Brandon Prust? Where is he located? Uh, he's in Germany now. He is okay. Yeah, he's okay. signed with the German team. All right. Oh, that's good. That's a good move for him. How can I yeah. get? Not, how can I get action on this? If I, if I, can I call up somebody in somebody in Vegas and say that by March first, Kai Ramo is the starting goalie for the Toronto Maple Leafs, has won the job outright, yeah. and is taking them into. Oh, one job. Action with us. We'll take that bet. Yeah, right. we'll take that bet. What are we throwing out here? March first. All right. We'll uh, we'll come up with we'll come up with some terms. But that's my that's my time. That's okay. fine. We're we're willing to take that action. You don't have to call anybody. 
Psychedelic yep. mushrooms. Because <clears throat> I'm, you know, I'm a Kyrie Ramo fan, and I think this is a little bit all appropriate. There is something else I wanted to bring up Islander wise. Watching the third period and that overtime. Oh God, the first forty minutes were good. Yeah, and I, and I missed that. But oh, but of course I, you did. I know. But here's the thing, and this is and this is coaching. Yes, it Why is. would players try and block shots in overtime? It's too fast. There's not enough players. You right. screen the goalie. Like, this is the one time where you don't try and block shots, and the Islanders did, and that caused the problem for Halak. He really couldn't see the puck very well. Also, John Tavares took a two-minute shift and had nothing back. Couldn't get right. back in the play. I mean, that's, they're simple, those, they, that's they, also coaching. That was the other thing I noticed. Their shifts were too long because mm-hmm. when, when Zetterberg had the puck, those guys were heaving. Yeah, they had nothing left. Yeah, yeah they had nothing. Yeah, <laughs> and it was uh, yeah, it was it was pretty obvious. I mean, I mean, but it's, you know, it's seven points in the last seven out of the last eight points. It's baby steps for them. It's you know three zero and one in their last four. Well, that's what you want to do. That's yeah. that's the one that that is the glory of the point for an overtime loss is that you yes. can slowly work. They tied, they tied it with three minutes to go, so it's like okay, all right, right. You get no. your point. You get your point. You go home. I know. Um, no, I agree. Um, we're gonna we're gonna definitely chase that more the um, the rumor there with Ramo and of course the rumor with Spooner and I do think there's something to the Vancouver thing which is which is fascinating because of the fact that we are really it's not even being kind of even they're not even pretending that there's no disconnect right. between the management and the ownership in Vancouver there is unbelievably the ownership is almost it's almost as if the ownership and I'm not saying they have said aside this is total I've seen a situation like this before so I don't know what's happening there. But I've seen a situation where a star player and an owner are talking to each other, and the you know, star players and the owner saying, "Don't worry, we're gonna we're gonna try to go for this for you." And it's almost as if you know, I'm not saying this is happening with the Sedins, but this is the feeling that you get. It's like we're here, and the owner the owners fall in love with their star players. They are their you know they're they're like a prized Cadillac that they have in their garage, right. and they're gonna make sure that that star player is happy. And that's why the Canucks aren't rebuilding, in my opinion. Um, now, I, like I say, I don't know that this is happening in this situation, but I've seen another situation. Oh, no, it's true. I mean, clearly that's why they went for Erickson. But yeah, right. right. They went for Erickson because that was that was who they wanted to get, you know, and, and they made they went for Erickson. What does it say about Boston, a team who's not necessarily racking up goals, who Ryan Spooner played huge minutes for last yeah. year, and now that they're willing to discard him, it's not like their offense is great either. No. Well, it's other- very top-heavy. It's the top line. They're, they're, they're a, three, they're a, th- a four-player team offensively. Yeah. Well, that's a lot of no, that's another team with a lot of disconnects on it, you know, like um, Boston. And, and I do feel like there's some people that want to go in one direction for them, and others that want yeah. to go in another. I definitely feel that. I feel that too, and and I think and they they're still kind of reeling from the the the, the rift that existed with who's in charge now and Chiarelli before, and they they seem to go out of their way. You know, it's funny. It reminds me of like the Methodists and the Catholics, right? Like when I grew up, there was the the Catholic Church and the Methodist Church. And my dad was a singer would would sing in um would sing at weddings at both of these things. He would he was like a soloist and would go and sing in Catholic churches. And then sometimes he would go to a Methodist church, which is what we were, and he would sing. And the Methodists would never let him sing from the balcony because that's what the Catholics do. You okay. can't sing from the balcony in the Catholic church in the Methodist church, but every Catholic sings from the balcony in the Catholic church. So this feels like the Bruins have done so many things that are so opposite of what Chiarelli would have done before. It just feels like they continue to do that. They're doing it almost out of spite. In a it sense, feels like they're, yeah. They're, right, like they're getting rid of all his players, too. Yeah, and they have. They've, they've, they've systematically got rid of his players. They, they want to wipe – they want sort of want to wipe this, the slate clean and and, may, and own the team as if, you know, like create yeah. the team in their own image. But the thing right. is, they don't 
think that that he know, also that, won a Stanley Cup for them. So that's the thing. Really that's the crazy thing about this, right? He won a Stanley mm-hmm. Cup, and you, it's almost like they were probably pissed off when he won it because he they was you know they were fighting even back then. And well, I, I mean, they, he won. You know this. He won a Stanley Cup. He over he fell in love with his role players who helped him get there, and he overpaid his bottom six forwards. He mm-hmm. overpaid his bottom pairing defensemen, and I think that's what got him fired. If they would have lo- if they would have lost their uh, that game seven overtime game against the Canadians in 2011, Claude Julien was going to be fired. I would th- probably think that Chiarelli wouldn't have, would have been pretty close behind him in that in that situation. Um, so you know, yeah, I, I think I think that Cam Neely and Don Sweeney are trying to make that team in their in their own image and trying to move past the Chiarelli era. Uh, as for Vancouver, they're six three and one in their last ten games. They won over yeah. the weekend. I think if it was, you know a few weeks ago, they probably would have jumped at the opportunity to bring in a spooner to add to that team right now. You know, even though they're, if they're going to make a trade, it'd probably be on defense because Edler's out and uh, they're with one of one of their other, uh, and Chris Tanev is out. So their, their defense is very thin right now. So if they're going to make a deal and expend assets, it's probably going to be for a defender. Yeah. Which brings up Shattenkirk, of course, always. Um, they that you know just real quick. I watched that Canucks game and Maple Leafs, the Canucks Maple Leafs game on Saturday. That was a great game to watch. You talk about yeah. thoroughly entertaining. Yeah, no. I want to show this too real quick before the Shattenkirk. So this is the back of Anders Nielsen's mask, and he's got the um, the Pride uh, flag on there. Oh wow, that's great. LGBT support. I don't know of any other sport that anybody's done that. Matter of fact, yeah. even when the NFL had their day yesterday, where everybody could paint their cleats however they like. I didn't see one for that. So I got to give Anders Nielsen a big, uh, he yeah, is, uh, of, of all the people I've dealt with in, in, you know, covering hockey, uh, <clears throat> Nielsen's one of, by far one of the best I've ever dealt with. Uh, he's, you know, he's had his struggles as a goalie. He's had his struggles, uh, with his health I and mean, he's had some horrible health issues cost him about a year and a half of his career. And so the fact that he's still in the NHL, uh, you know, it's just great. And that's just great what he's doing for, for that, for the community that needs help. It needs support. And the fact that these players are willing to do that, that's great. Yeah. And somebody pointed out uh, when, because that that picture was on Twitter is that Robin Leonard apparently has a, has some reference to Donald Trump on his mask. Really? (laughs) So talking about one side and the other, but uh, yeah. So Robert Leonard is a unique individual. Let's move on. Streak alive, Mike. Good job. Way to go. Um, You know what would be funny, though, if someone put on their mask, if someone put on the mask, like, because, you know, you're a goalie, right? Right. Someone should put on a mask of a wall. And then you could say, like, you know, you just have the wall on the mask. That could be. You could just borrow Nikolai Habby Bullen's mask. That's right. He used to have the wall. And you know who had a good one? Uh, you guys remember Cristobal Huey with the with the Nordiques? Yes. He had like the igloo wall. That was one yes. of my favorites. That was very good. If Johnny Bauer wore a mask, he was the China Wall. So there you go. Although I remember people pointing out that in, in Huey's case, that um, that you know igloos can pucks go right through them. <laughs> That's true. But that was one. Of the, I I love that mask. That was an awesome mask. Actually, yeah, that was a great. That whole. They just fit those uniforms so well, too. I got a photo of him, like, making a save, and it's like he's looking right at the camera, and you see the whole mask, and he signed it right underneath. It's pretty cool. That's awesome. I don't don't remember what league he's playing in in Europe, but Cristobal Huey just signed a contract extension. He's 42 years old, and he's Good for him. You know, you can make a good good career. Look, you know, NHL doesn't work out for every player, and he had a good career. But I'm just – some of these minor league guys who are making 50,000, 60,000 in the AHL then go live in Geneva or Munich making – Seventy thousand, 
everything paid for. They're living in some of the best countries, uh, cities in the world. Oh, I know. And if they're if they're recently married or something like that, or just have yeah. like, you know, like there's not and they don't have any kids to deal with, it's like they love it. If I've talked to people over there, it's like my wife is so cool. She just wants to keep finding new places to live in Europe. I talked to one player who said that one time. Yeah. It's, it's fun I know someone I who was toiling away in the Sabres organization, went to Munich, played there for six years, and, and it still lives there. He never came back. Loves it. Yeah, yeah. No, it's very it's very common. Um, Johnny Gaudreau last night came back and uh, came back, you know, in in true Johnny Gaudreau fashion, scoring on his first shot, his first shift. Um, I could have stopped that shot. Jonathan Bernier was horrible. <laughs> Just for full disclosure, I started Jonathan Bernier in drafting last night. <laughs> Shocking. Yeah, so yeah, there, 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 was a, there was a little story about Jonathan Bernier and as related to the start last night because – um, he had, I think he had given up six goals in the first two periods and everybody thought that they were going to yank him and put John Gibson in and Randy Carlisle after the game fessed up and said that John Gibson had a really bad case of diarrhea and could not go in the game, <laughs> could not go in the game. So hey. Bernie had to suck it up for the team. And Enjoy your lunch, home. everyone. You want your coaches to be honest and he was honest. So you have to respect that. That is, good that is a lower body injury. That is a lower body. It's a lower bowel injury. It's a lower intestine injury. Um, (laughs) That's the better line. The lower intestine injury. I just, you know, it's still, it's, it's very much. It's funny to me, and I just, I know it wasn't a great shot or a great goal, but it's, it's just these players like him have this thing about them that they do this that you could, you could have bet that he was going to score on his first shift. Yeah, you don't know how it was going to happen, but you could just know, like you knew McDavid, or you, and like just like in the same way you knew. McDavid would come out like bangbusters in a game, or you know, where Austin Matthews in his first game would have would be crazy. It just players like that just have a knack for this kind of thing, and it's it's yeah, because the puck just seems to gravitate towards them. Yeah. And it's hard to explain, you know. There's really no, there's really no, they just they just know they have a dr- sense of drama in them that just is like this is a, this is the time that I'm going to do it, and they right. just find another level. Yeah, like the couple of days, like when when Ovechkin had his last hat trick. As soon as he got that first goal, and then he had another shot that he just missed the net. And I remember I was at work, and I was like, "He's getting a hat trick tonight." And then, like seven minutes later, he had three goals. Yeah, it's like it's it's crazy. He just does it. So, um, I did get a lot of requests for us continuing the conversation we ended the show with last time, which was my theory of 32, wow. 32 teams. I wanted to get Dan's opinion on it. We can move on after that, but okay. Well, over the weekend, I think you guys. Definitely, I want to hear. It. Let's hear. It. Let's hear. It. You guys over the weekend. I'm sure Mike and Russ came around that this is the best idea they've ever heard. So I'm no, let's hear it. I did not. I'm not familiar with this, so let's hear. Okay, it. Okay, so here's my thinking. Okay, we've got 32 teams in the NHL soon enough, you know, and it'll be it'll get there. Quebec will have a team, and uh, you know, talking about how the playoffs would work, and a lot of people are talking about the play-in games or what have you. And um, all right, Mike, relax. Um, so. My theory is this: we have eight, we have four teams, four divisions with eight teams, which is not a big deal, but everybody makes the playoffs. Okay, and the thing there, here's what happens: if you the first the the first place team only has to win two out of seven, the eighth place team has to win five out of seven, Um, and the second place team only has to win three, the seventh place team has to win four, and then after that, it just becomes the best of seven. But the the idea that everybody makes the playoffs, but you have such an astronomical Thing to overcome if you finished in seventh or eighth. So now you've also have left me, Dan. <laughs> no, I'm still listening. Wouldn't this not be exciting? Just like just throw it on basic excitement. We would have a thirty. We would have thirty two teams. We would have we would have an extra round. Know how great you the first round. You playing August. You know, you, you know, all you have to do is take out. You know, just have to, just have to con- start the team. Start the thing in October first, no, as opposed no, to. You can't have everyone make the playoffs. You just can't. <sighs> no, I, you know what? It's 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 a novel it's idea. Such high hopes. 
It's it's, the, it's, it, it, the idea is great. It's just you know, it's, it's ridiculously flawed. confusing. It's just ridiculously confusing, it's and it's confusing, never happened. Imagine, oh, I, I, it's not that hard to understand. And imagine now, you're a team that's finished in eighth, and if if a team finishes in eighth and, and can beat a team that finishes in first before that team can win two games, that's that would be the, like the biggest choke of all time. You'd have this incredible like, wow. You but want, then the regular season doesn't mean anything. You should just start the season with the playoffs. I oh, feel like the regular the Frazier movie. I feel like somebody has has frozen Eck in time, and he's come back twenty years from now with this great idea after he thought out. It just seems that way. And Dan is playing the Pauly Shore role. <laughs> I will be. Wow. I, wow. I will be. No. I will be vindicated. I'll when, take that because Father in Law is a great movie, or Son in Law. Son in Law is a hilarious movie. <laughs> yes, it, it, it has the plot positive of having Carlo Gugino in it. So any any movie with her is, is pretty good. Um, but, America. Yeah, I, I I think that if you get to, if you get to thirty two teams, that what's going to happen is you're going to have a you're going to have a play in game. You're going to have a you're going to have basically twenty teams making the playoffs, but not, I don't like that either. Well, I, I'm thinking it's going to be a one in a one game one game play in game, and it'll get down to 16 after the one game. It's going to give that that is you know, and Russ said it on Friday. That's a package they could sell to ESPN or TBS mm-hmm. or something like that as a as a as a, an additional income. That, that's I don't think you want TBS touching your sports, but although I said it, <laughs> I said it would end up on the ESPN app. I was a little snarky about it, but it is true. I would rather see a tournament to, def- to determine the order of draft picks than a play-in games. I see. I think that's ridiculous. Nobody wants that. to do that. Nobody. They're not risking injury for that. Right. What's wrong with just sixteen teams? It's hard to make the playoffs, and we'll just leave it at sixteen. I just, you know, no, I'm okay if it's hard to. And make by the way, once again, if you're going to do these playoff games, stop being a media. What's the word? If the NHL would need to stop being a media prostitute, is that the best, <laughs> nicest way to put that? And put the games on your own network. Right, 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 right. They need to be. I agree. That's one hundred percent. And I get that you want to make millions of you want to make millions of dollars. Blah blah blah. You put those games on your network. You inflate your ratings. You can sell ad time. You can get presenting sponsors. And then the following year, you go back and say, "Look what we did. Wait we can get more money now." You don't. They, they, they are selling. They are selling advertising time. The Addiction Network has bought in big. Oh, I was talking about the Novage, the thing you hook up to your nose That's, and watch the snot just. What I don't understand about the NHL right now in marketing is this, okay? Um, it has to do with these games. When you watch the games on Game Center and they have that We Are At commercial thing. Yes. Okay, which is, I know why that is, because they're trying to sell those spots as well. To No, those are locals. You can't show. That's why. Okay, but if that's the case, you can sell them. You can sell them to like, what about hockey buzz? Like we take like a we take a, we take a thirty second like sell them to people. Sell oh, them that'd be great. I could do the commercial for you. Instead, right? Instead of just watching, just you know, the game will be back oh, shortly. Hey. <laughs> yeah, it could be one of these. Hey, the, why the game will be back shortly? Yeah, it could be really super creepy too. <laughs> Wouldn't that be hilarious? Just have just have somebody sit there and say that the game will be right, right. back shortly. I, I think mean, we should wait. do a hockey buzz calendar. The men of hockey buzz. What do you think? <laughs> Mike could be reading. Mike could be reading his uh, his stats Maple Leafs book. You I know? think we're gonna end up with a lot of calendars. Is what I think. Hey, all right. So I got something <laughs> important now to mention. Go ahead, Dan. David the other day was pulled out of a game because of the concussion protocol, and apparently there's a video out there that shows him sort of being shocked that he he's being pulled out. I love it. I love it for two reasons. 
One reason is clearly Connor McDavid has never had this happen to him before. So it is a little bit of a slight on junior hockey and everything and all of that that has that involved and even the NHL before this. And it does show that it, this is working in the NHL now. And yep. I want players to be mad. I don't care. They need to be safe. The no, team needs to know that they're safe because players will always play, right? They, they're, they're, they're the worst person. They're the worst people yeah, when it comes yeah. to their own health. Yeah. They are. Judge. The worst judge. Yeah. Worst yeah. judge. Yes. Oh, well, they're not even judging. They just, they just won't. They, they just won't come out. And so I think that that was great that they did it. And I'd like to see more of that. And I think the NHL is doing the right thing with that because you do have to really be that intrusive. You do. Yeah. Oh, I think it's phenomenal. And like I've said many times, it's not even that I care about the players in the league, which I do care about, but not that I care about them as much as I care about the fact that this gets out to parents of youth hockey and youth sports people in general. And that when McDavid's pulled, it makes sense. It actually becomes news. And then people realize that if my kid just got knocked over in a a game or whatever, I think it's okay for the coach not to play him for, for the rest of the game to make just to be safe versus, you know, like because Connor McDavid got pulled out of a game too. So that's to me that, that's the best thing about this. You want to see consistency. No special rules for anyone. If, if this play happens, that's why I like how the spotters are, are independent. You know, they're not paid by the teams or anything like that. I, I, this Although is the, back in the day, your parent pretty much did that. Like I remember I was in a little league game. I got hit in the eye, right? Fastball straight in the eye. Yeah. I was pitching that game and I was pitching a great game. I didn't want to come out. My mother literally spoke to the coach and said, he's leaving. Went and said, let's go. We're going in the car. And I couldn't do it. That's good for her. I mean, I'm sure you wanted to absolutely kill her. Uh, you know, funny is about being but your own worst her. enemy because you're right. We are. If you're playing, you're competitive. Yes. You're your own worst enemy. I'll never forget. I was playing in a city championship, New Britain, Connecticut golf tournament. I shot even par in the front nine, and usually you stop and you would go get you would go get a, a drink and you know rehydrate. Blah blah blah. It was 98 degrees. It was the middle of July. I shot even par, and I said, I ain't getting anything. Let's keep going. And I <laughs> went, and I, I broke the school record. I broke the school record for 18 holes in the tournament, and then I went straight to the hospital because I dehydrated. <laughs> My mom did not care that I broke the school record. <laughs> she chewed me out like relentlessly to the fact that then when she left the room, my dad's like, why were you so stupid? I go, Dad, I shot even par in the front. He's like, oh, I get it. <laughs> <laughs> that's all he said. He was like, oh, I get it. He's like, drink something next time. Yeah. No, that's really, that's a good story. Cause, that's I mean, how we're our own worst enemies. You know that. We are our own worst enemies. Oh, I, in I have a daughter in my house right now who got who gets whacked around all the time in sports and, you know, wakes up with, you know, saying I'm nauseous, my head hurts me, and I'm like, oh, you know, what is that? And is it anything? And, you know, and, and me telling her you're not going to play basketball today after school. You're going to do this, whatever, you know, and it's just like, and I have to be the bad guy all the time, all the time. But it's, a, yeah, it's, you have to. it's what you have to do. And it's really hard. You know? And as a coach, too, like we're, we actually coach – I coach, as you guys know, youth soccer. We've had to tell parents sometimes, we're not going to let your daughter play because she doesn't look right. You know, it's just like – it's not – you know, it's not – she doesn't look right. She does, she's not she's – not, she, she looks – It's hard for a coach, too, when they're not your own kid. It's one thing to be oh, yeah. the bad cop when it's your own kid. But yeah. when you have – you're in charge of 20 or 30, ugh. Oh. That's such no, a tough it is, but you have to. The parents can sometimes be. There are parents who are definitely all, you know. Oh, you know, she's fine. Let her play. She's good. She's good. You know. And I'm like, well, no. I mean, she's she's definitely. She says her head hurts her. She's doing. The, there's all kinds of things we're getting. She's giving us signs. It's like, no, we gotta not play her. So, one That's of the tough. saddest things I ever saw in my life was when I first started ESPN. Uh, it's probably early 2000s, um, and I saw Tom Jackson trying to walk down the hallway on a cold mm. day. 
because his niece he couldn't he couldn't walk down the stairs he had yeah. you know it was just one of the saddest and i was like okay and then as you see what happens to people you know you see yeah. what, what happens to, to football players when they get to their 50s and or late 40s and it's just like it was just it was hard to watch yeah no that's 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 crazy 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 um give before we get out of here today i wanted to give you um our really good stat here uh for the day that i found that that i thought was interesting and that is the one player in the top 20 of all-time NHL scoring, he's not in the Hockey Hall of Fame, which is something uh, I wonder if you can figure out. It's it's not too hard, but it's, it is baffling. Do you know Cicerelli? Nope. No, no Cicerelli's in. This guy's oh, number 12. In. Yeah, you're number, right. This guy's you're number right. 12, actually. So he's actually in the top 15 of NHL scoring, but there's only one in the top 20 that isn't in the Hockey Hall of Fame. And it's kind of crazy this guy's not in the Hockey Hall of Fame, and I don't understand it. Well, all right. So Dave Anderchuk? This is no. somebody who's active. It's no. not Dave Anderchuk? Not active. Pierre Turgeon? Nope. Nope. Not active. Did you say not Anderchuk? Not Anderchuk. Okay. Not Anderchuk and not active. Nope. He's won Stanley Cups. He's done all the things you'd have to do to win, to, to be in there. You know, it's just like everything you'd ask for. it To be a top top 15 guy even and to have won Stanley Cups. He's so he's not. top 15 in points. Yeah. In points. I'll give you the exact number. Um, this right here. But this is like a- Was this Solani eligible yet? Um, not yet. He's not, not yet. eligible yet, right? Next year, okay. I think. Kent yeah. Nielsen? Nope. Uh, is Mark Recchi available? There eligible? Yet? Mark Recchi. Isn't he not When do you retire? Oh, he's eligible. He's eligible. Russ, is okay. Kent Nielsen in the Hall of Fame? He might be, actually. I'll give you it's Mark Recchi, though. Isn't, isn't Mark it Mark Recchi? Recchi? It's Mark Recchi. Yeah. Yep. It yeah. is Mark Recchi with uh, 1,533 he- points. He suffers from the same problem that Anderchuk does. He's a he's even though he's won, you know, Anderchuk won one Stanley Cup. Brecky won what two or three? Three. Yeah, I mean, he's looked upon as a compiler, and that's I think the, the reason. Ron Francis was a compiler, but he's compiled players that aren't on this list. <laughs> top twenty scorers. That's the crazy yeah. thing. You three cups, compiler, top fifteen. I, I'm okay, sorry, you're right. Thing. All right, here's the argument against Ron Francis being a compiler. He was more of a one of the top three or four best players on both times that he won the cup where, where Recky with Boston was an aging player with Montreal was a really young player. And so I think it, it that's where it hurts him. Francis was an integral part of both of his championships. Right? Yeah. Three cups are three cups though. Three I cups know, are three cups and, just, he, and he made player. I mean, he played with great players, but he made them he better. But when he, okay, but here's the thing. And this is where, and I like Mark Recchi a lot. And I, for a guy who had over a hundred points, m- more than once, I believe his postseason numbers are awesome. They are numbers are ridiculous. The problem is, go and look at those teams, and then tell me where Mark Recchi ranks on those teams. All right, that's well, the to win the cup. Well, he was definitely one of the best players on Carolina when he won the cup. He, but I mean, he was like one of the. He was like the fifth best player. That's the um, thing. I don't know about that. I mean, it, Francis was better. All right, maybe. I mean, Francis was, Ward was better. I mean, obviously he was he was low down on the. Well, but there's guys like you know, those like Glenn Anderson and. But that shouldn't matter who he played with. I mean, you looked at you know. We're talking 2006 with Carolina, Brindamore was better. Brindamore, Glenn Wesley. All right. I'm just no, saying, Glenn Wes- no, no, not Glenn Wesley. No, no. Glenn Wesley no, was huge no, on that no, team. No, 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 no. Wasn't better than Mike Greg. I'm with you on that. No. Okay. Yeah. I'm with Dan on that one. He was not better That's than... That's fine. But, he, but he's probably the fifth most important player on that team. Doesn't and then he was on Pittsburgh, obviously, yeah. and you know, put up a lot oh, of points. Pittsburgh, there, but... Where does he rank on Pittsburgh? 
Well, number two uh, behind Lemieux. No, Lemieux, Lemieux, Yager, Coffee. Yeah. yeah, but you got to remember, Yager was very young. He was a, he was not a big big contributor. He was not yet. He was, he, he was he, and Recky was a huge contributor that year. How many yeah. postseason awards does Mark Recky have? No. How many what? Postseason awards. That, yeah. Which Goring has a con Smythe. He's not a Hall of Famer. I know, but I'm just saying these are things. Ken Nielsen is not a Hall of Famer, so he's 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 twelfth in, in Okay. Yeah. Ball. It's just so when you look at this list, I mean ninth all time in points. Like Adam Oates just got in, right? So looking at Adam Oates, he's he's number seventeen on the all time list. Adam Oates suffers from the same thing too. Recky has more cups than Adam Oates, but Recky'll get, Recky get in on a slow year. Adam Oates played in an era when scoring was mm-hmm. high. He was mainly an assist guy. And unfortunately, that does get washed away a bit. But wouldn't you yeah. say Recky had a better career than Adam Oates? No. When do when do we consider the NHL to be in its dead puck era? Microphone. Damn I thing. just changed it too. Really? Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, that's weird. Do it again. I'm good. Oh, oh, let me let me let me let me just. When, uh, when do we consider the dead puck era for hockey? Ninety-five. Um, to... Yeah, like ninety-five is when the Devils destroyed hockey for a couple of years. Yeah. Okay, well, so in two thousand, it was pretty dead again too for like three years. Okay, so from ninety-five to two thousand. Yeah. Recky had 78, 80, 74, 91, and 77 points. Yeah. I know. 1,500 points don't lie. I know, but here's the thing. Adam Oates, Mark Recky, neither of them have any awards. They have zero awards. No, I know, but – but uh, There's plenty uh, of compilers in the Baseball Hall of Fame. But yeah, Oates, is, Oates, is guys have awards, Oates just got into the Hall of Fame, right? So, I mean, we're looking at Oates is in the Hall of Fame. Recky will go in in a slow year. Ken Ken Nielsen's Ken Nielsen's stats were WHA NHL combined, so that's oh, why. okay. That's why. Yeah, I mean he's. I mean, when you look at this list, I mean Yari Curry's on this list. He was a compiler, right? Um, no, no, his prime. No, 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 no. Yeah, he, he wasn't the best player on his team. So what? I mean, Yari the, Curry. The guy, the guy was the, the guy who was the best player on his team is one of the top two. How many three. awards? How many awards did he win? Yeah, how many awards did Curry win? Let's see. He won a Lady Bing, right? Yeah, he definitely maybe, won that. Maybe, maybe. He won a Sulky? But the Lady Bing is, you know, that's Lady Bing. But your point, you can't say that, Mike. So he played with Gretzky. Recky played with Lemieux. Right. Right, and that's the thing. I mean, and, and Recky was equally as important to Lemieux as Curry was to Gretzky for those couple years there, so. But, but hold on, hold on. Yari Curry had 71 goals, 68 goals. Let's not even bring him up in this conversation. It's not even fair. Lady Bing is his only award, but he also played on a team that was just littered with great guys, but he still you he didn't have 71 goals by accident. Okay. He had less points than Curry, though. There are less there are less there points are, than Ricky. There are players there are players in the top fifty of all time that have probably no chance of making the Hall of Fame right now. Mark Recky, the 1990-91 Penguins, Mark Recky led the team in scoring. Okay. Rod Brindamore is not making the, the Hall of Fame. No. Vincent Domfus is not making the Hall of Fame. All Bernie, right, so let's name the other current okay, guys in the top. On, the other on. current guys in the top fifty Mark right Curry's now. Postseason numbers are not even a point a game. Where Yari Curry is like two hundred thirty-three points in two hundred games in the postseason. You should be a point a game if you want to be they in the Hall. They played of in different eras. Oh, okay. But listen, yeah. point a game guys are point a game guys. You don't think Yager's a point a game in the playoffs? He played he way all through that era. Number 25 all-time is Joe Thornton. Is Joe Thornton going into the Hall of Fame? Yes. yes. 
Right. Yes. Okay. Number 35 all time is Jerome Ginla. Is Jerome Ginla going in the Hall of Fame? Yes. yes. Number 58 is Marion Hosa. Is Marion Hosa going in the Hall of Fame? Maybe. Yes. 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 Edge, right? So, I mean, when you look at the, that as the top, in the top, you know, 50, 60 players. Yeah, I mean, but Recky deserves to be in the Hall of Fame as much as Joe Thornton does. And he's been he's been in six Stanley Cup Finals. Yeah, it's just crazy. I mean, he's it, well, Hosa's definitely definitely in the Hall of Fame. Most likely, Hosa will get it. Yeah, Recky's yeah. well, Recky's going to get in on a slow year. That's what that's what it is. Yeah, and, and, Andrew, and, and Andrew Chuck is going to get in too. But there's They're nobody else in this list. Let's go top: Gretzky, Messier, Yager, Hal, Francis, Dion, Iserman, Lemieux, Sakic, Esposito, Bork. Recky, Coffee, Makita, Solani, Trache, Oates, Gilmore, Howard Chuck, Curry. The only one that's not in there is Recky. The problem is Recky also was hanging on at points in his career. Yes, he did hang on the last couple seasons. I and, and that doesn't look good when you're trying to get voted in the Hall of Fame. They do look at that. Um, I mean, the one thing. So was Paul Coffee. Point points for <laughs> come on. Hey, if Dino Cicerelli's in the Hall of Fame, Mark Recchi's got And go so is Dale Hall. Howard, Chuck, but these players are a notch above Mark Recchi. Way above. Mark Recchi has the lowest wow. points per game of anybody in the top 20 of the NHL uh, of NHL scoring. 0.93. All right, points per game, I'll give you yeah, that. Yeah, I, I buy I, I buy into the fact he was a compiler. He was a really good one. And I oh, just think when there's a it's excellent a, one. When there's a slow seat, when there's a slow year, they're going to put them in. That's what it is. He's got more so. Stanley Cup finals than anybody else on this list. You I, mean, he, he, I mean, hey, how many Stanley Cup finals did 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 Recky go to? Yeah, but it doesn't matter. Robert Horry in the NBA went to a million NBA finals. He was never going to make it to the Hall of Fame. Robert Horry, you know, averaged forty points a game. Recky has fifteen hundred points. Yeah. I mean, and and I think you know I I think Pierre Turgeon's a Hall of Famer too, and he's not in. No, I think Alex Mogilny. I think Alex Mogilny's a Hall of Famer. Now Mogilny, you could make a Hall of Famer because of the other things in his career. Same with Kent Nielsen. I do think WHA stats should count. I do think when you defect, you have to sort of take that into account. Where mm-hmm. the guy missed how many years of his career? I think those things do. So I do agree with you on Mogilny, and I do agree on Kent Nielsen. I do. I, I I covered those two those two teams Carolina and Boston in the Stanley Cup Finals and yeah and I think Recky was a really important part of both those teams like I Boston for sure Carolina I'm going to tell you I don't think he was as important on Carolina as you're making him out to be I'm not saying he had a bad year I'm just yeah. saying he, there were other bigger guys Brendan Moore was the biggest I kind of blocked out that finals because I was so hurt that the Ward, Hartford Whalers were in the same yeah, right, right. Russ he was a he was a late he was a late season addition they got yeah. No, I know. So was Doug Waite. That's what I'm, and so was Doug Waite. And Doug Waite wasn't even a huge part of that. He wasn't. Is, is Doug Waite a Hall of Famer? No. Oh, no. Okay. I don't think so. But, you know, I don't know. I, just think, I think Mark Recchi is. I think, I think if for you're Boston, the- Recchi had 14 points. That was a big deal. I don't know how many points he had for Carolina, but I don't think it was nearly as many. Let's say. Yeah, so it if you want to say he's a high yeah, his seven, final year was his best, one of his best points, playoff years he had. Seven points he had with Carolina. Yeah, but 16 in the playoffs. He had 16 in 25 games. That was pretty good. And then he went right back to Pittsburgh for two more years. Yeah. But then, but I mean, so in his final year, if you want to call him a hanger on, his final series, final thing in the playoffs, he was fantastic. I mean, he was not hanging on in 14 points in 25 games. At that point, he wasn't hanging on. The two or three years prior, he was. Yeah, when he was playing for Atlanta. Yeah. He still had 48 points his last full season, though. That's pretty good. I'm see. I'm for Andrew Chuck getting in the Hall of Fame. I am for Recky getting in the Hall of Fame. 
but there are certain people who have been put in the Hall of Fame who I don't think belong. Bernie Federico is borderline. Clark Gillies is borderline. Not because Clark Gillies wasn't an effective player, but, you know. Here's a funny thing about the Carolina team. Ray Whitney had more goals. Corey Stillman had more points. Justin Williams we forget about. Hey, Mike. Mike, you t- can you tell Trevor Gillies he's not a Hall of Famer? You know, Eric Stahl had 28 <laughs> points. So, really, Recky was like the sixth or seventh most important guy. Doug Waite had as many points as Mark Recky in that Stanley Cup run. So, I, I can't count him for the State Carolina run. He wasn't – No, but what he did around – I mean, the, the experience he brought to that – I mean, he's, he, was the, he was their Stanley Cup experience. I mean, he was the guy who had won the Cup. You know, he was the guy who was – and that matters on those teams. Laviolette will tell you that. I mean, he, he, that mattered a lot to that team. They needed a guy like that who had been through it all, and not, so not only was he putting up points, but he was a huge. Like when you when you looked in the locker room, he was the guy that they all looked to. I mean, he was he was the the guy. Like even you know, Brendamore, you know, Brendamore and Recky were the two guys. That's fair, but I'm not putting him, you know, in the Hall of Fame based on that. I think I think he has a chance, but there are other guys that have had similar careers. Not as many points, but if you count like the eras and the points per game and everything, there's a lot of guys that have had similar careers. They just haven't been to as many finals. Well, obviously, the people who vote on the Hall of Fame agree with you, but um, I don't, I don't, you know, I just don't. I think it's, I think it's, uh, I think Recky was sort of his own. He wasn't a great publicist for himself. Like no, that. he wasn't. You know, I think that plays into it. There's some other guys on there that were more flashy, more public. You know, like Doug Gilmore is a good example. You know, like I mean, he was he, he didn't have a great deal of success in the playoffs. You know, but he um. Well, he had he had a great deal. Of, he 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 won a Stanley Cup with Calgary in '89. He played, right. played well with St. Louis. But what made Gilmore's career were those two conference final appearances with the Leafs. Yeah. So those are more important than going to the finals and win the cup. If Recky had oh, been if Recky no, had been no, Leaf and him to a Stanley Cup final, he would have be he would be in the Hall of Fame. You know. He is no, no. Okay, if Recky took him to the Stanley Cup. Oh, yeah, yeah. Gilmore no. also hung on at the end too. Here, this is emblematic of his career. Okay, in 1989-90 for the Calder voting, and Recky had a hell of a year. He really did. Makarov came in first, Madano second, Ronick third, Brindamore fourth, then Recky. He's always fourth or fifth on the list. Right. How many points did he have as a rookie? He had like 80 points. Yeah, uh, he had 67. 67. Sorry, yeah. 30 goals. But it's again that era. Right. He holds the record for the most points by a flyer in a single season. Yes, he does. Mark Recky does. He had what one sixteen or something like that. In that area. It's kind of crazy. So I mean, that just big. I mean, that's a big number. One hundred and sixteen points in a season. It is in any era. You know, that was a big number. Even in the even and yeah, I know that at the time Gretzky was putting up two hundred and sixteen points. So it was a little, you know, but actually not at that time that Recky did that. Right, that was after that. So it's yeah. Funny, I just, Darren Turcott had six, one point less than Mark Recchi in his rookie year. So it does show you, not to rip on Darren Turcott, but it does show you how points were plentiful for a long time. And that's a thing that hurts him. Right. I agree. I agree. Um, so players of the week before we get out of here. Yep. Um, Steve Mason got player of the week. So this is interesting. You know, we talked about the Flyers' difference. He's the he's number one player of the week, uh, followed by Tarasenko and another goalie. Who I just escaped me for a second there. Who's the other goalie that got there? Uh, Marty Jones. Yes, Martin Jones. So two goalies. A lot of goalies. Great, I was yep. gonna say it was a great video of Tarasenko. Um, when he got his hat trick, everybody was throwing their hats on the ice, and he was really smiling. He was looking at it. 
and he was smiling. And, and this yeah. is a guy who just loves to play. But yes. conversely, Mike and I were talking, and recently he was at a situation where, again, somebody fans thought somebody had a hat trick, and they didn't. This happened with Braden Shen a year ago with the Mike Flyers. Green last night. And, and so I'm cautioning fans. Happened Don't last night. Throw your hat unless you're stone cold. No, the guy has a hat trick. If you think yeah. somebody else scored the goal, or you think video review is going to ruin it, don't waste your thirty dollars hat. <laughs> I'm not. I'm sorry. I'm not throwing my hat. This hat was like twenty seven dollars. Right, right, right. I threw my hat on the ice once, and I'll tell you why. Because Kent, I, I watched Kent Manderville score a hat trick for the Hartford <laughs> Whalers. And the third goal for the hat trick was a penalty shot goal in a tie game with a minute left. I was like, you know what? Kent Manderville yeah. just, you know, just had a hat trick and a penalty shot. I'm like, my hat's going hat. for that. That's fine. And it was your first beer. But otherwise, yeah. No, no. I was actually, I was, I was not old enough. No, they, oh, they, they moved when I was 17. Kent Manderville went to school and actually dated a friend of my wife's. <laughs> wow. <But laughs> Unlike Chris Pronger, 17 and 18-year-olds yes. in Hartford weren't allowed in the bar. Oh, don't start with that. My, my mem- it's a my true memory, story. My memory of Kent Manderville was getting deked out of his jock by Gretzky in Game 7 in 93. So. Uh, <laughs> he's not the only one that's, that, that's happened to him. No, yeah, yeah. He was, but he's a good Cornell kid. So. But I'll just never I'll never forget that. Kent Manderville. Hey, he my was a good penalty killer. He played on that 97 Flyers team, right? He, yep. yeah. he was a good penalty killer, man. Yeah, yeah. But- but the uh, the instance that Russ was talking about, I was at the the Mar the Marley's Hartford Wolfpack game on Saturday, and it was the Marley's annual teddy bear toss. Whatever the, the, the <laughs> right, right, right. For the first goal, uh, everybody throws the teddy bears, and it's to, to you know to give to kids for for Christmas. It's a great promotion. Great promotion. And the only problem was the Marlies were down three nothing in the third period, and there was no <laughs> first goal. To <laughs> yeah, right. Then they then there's a disputed goal and. You you don't know whether the goal went over, over the goal line, and people started throwing the teddy bears because that might have been the only chance that they had. It yep. went to video review, and the and the announcer was basically saying, "Don't throw your bears on the ice because the ref because they could get penalized for you know." <laughs> and then finally, any ref who gives them a penalty for that would be should be shot. And yeah, then right. finally, they said it was a goal, and the and the teddy bears <laughs> raining down. I have a picture of it on my Twitter feed, so if you want to take a look, it's there. That's awesome. I was told by some of the guys in the Sound Tigers that they feel pressure on those dates to score a goal early and get and get to get those bears on the ice. But the great <laughs> thing with those is when you see the videos of what happens afterwards. And you I see them going to you know, it's great. And I do want to push for the NHL to put chips in pucks because I'm telling you, the Blackhawks had a goal taken away from them in that flyer game and it did change the complexion of the game. Yeah, that's all they do. Yeah, they need they need it's so easy to do. It's, it's just, not that hard, no. It will not even increase the price of the puck that much. Maybe for the first year, but once they start churning them out, it won't matter. Yep. Yeah, no, totally. Um, that's all the time we have for today. But, guys, thanks so much. Thanks, Dan, so much for jumping on today. Thanks, Russ and Mike, as always. Remember, without the buzz, it's just hockey. We'll be back again tomorrow. Have a good day. See you then.